Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. You'll hear some of them uh, at some points of the show and some of them uh, at other points of the show. Uh, but right now, uh, I have Lauren and Jake with me. How are we? Excellent. Doing better now that I'm home. <laughs> it is uh, It is the start as we record this. It is uh, the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, game one between the Bruins and the Capitals will be this evening. So by the time you listen to this, that game will have already taken place. But, uh, you, know, su- you know, Sunday afternoon is going to be a full day of hockey and Stanley Cup playoffs. And also, for some reason, uh, a handful of remaining regular season games that the NHL is mandating must be played, even though they have no impact on standings or seating makes no sense but regardless it's more hockey if you're into that sort of thing uh so uh yeah very excited to uh, chat with uh, both my line mates here you will hear Haley later on this episode Uh, this episode we have a fantastic interview with boston pride general manager carolyn pilch so we're really excited for you all to hear that Haley joined us for that jake did not so you know line shifts uh you know hockey nomenclature uh, etc so um Stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear all of our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And so Lauren, I'll start with you, uh, you know, if you have an opening face-off for us today, uh, you know, as we already just said, it's you know, the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is where you know, heart rates start to raise and you know, people's you know, blood pressures go up and uh, you know, the run to, to capture Lord Stanley's Cup begins. So, you know, what's on your mind? Yeah, we're in for a lot of really good hockey, not just with the Bruins-Caps matchup, not just with the Islanders and Pens there, but that we have a lot of really strong matchups just in the first round. Like a Stanley Cup contending team that should be a, a, that should go to the final in any other season probably will be eliminated this first uh, series here. Yeah, I mean, there, there are so many teams that are worthy of winning the Cup this year, and we're going to do our playoff preview at the end of this episode. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, that's the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's really just a get-into-the-tournament type of style. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of regular season you had. We just saw with the Stars, you know, a few months ago with the, the truncated seasons, uh, you know, how, you know, you can you know, get to the, the Cup final uh, if you just get hot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here coming up for sure. Uh, Jake, my friend, do you have an opening face-off for us today to get us started? My opening face-off, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I, I'm really excited for this Florida Panthers-Tampa uh, Bay Lightning series because the, the, the Florida Panthers were a team that really surprised me this year. They have arguably this year have been the best that they've ever been in their franchise history. So this is going to be an exciting matchup, and it's something that I'm going to talk about, uh, not in-depth, but I'm, I'm going to uh, – go off a little bit when I, when we come up to that. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm just excited for the playoffs and I'm ready to talk some hockey puck, sticky puck. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, as for myself, uh, just my unbridled excitement. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I am, uh, I'm going through a lot of major life uh, uh, moments at, uh, at, at this current time, trying to, to sell uh, uh, a condo, buy another one, uh, you know, get a new car. Uh, so we obviously took a week off last week. I was actually in, in a car accident. I am fine, but 
I appreciate everyone uh, you know, being patient with us as we had to take a week off. Uh, so we're just so excited to be back. And uh, this is definitely an episode that was worth waiting for with all that we're going to unpack for you here. So um, you know, we are very grateful for all your support and your patience as always. But with that being said, let's kind of roll right into our league news, uh, you know, go coast to coast. And just this story, we have to start off with, uh, with the saga with Jack Eichel and uh, the, the Buffalo Sabres, because if you are a hockey fan, you've been kind of, uh, you know, under a rock this week. Maybe you didn't see Jack Eichel's comments, but there is some friction between Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres. So let's just kind of dive right into it. Uh, if, you know, you are thinking, oh, I haven't heard Eichel's name in the news for a while. It's because he did miss the majority of this uh, abbreviated season um, with a herniated disc. And anyone who's ever had, you know, issues with a, with a disc or you know, back issues, you know how serious that is. That's not something that you, uh, you know, it's just you a couple of weeks rest and you're good. Long story short, it sounds like Jack Eichel wanted to have surgery to repair his herniated disc. He was told uh, by doctors that his recovery would be fairly short. And the Buffalo Sabres wanted him to apparently you know, follow their, uh, their treatment plan of just rehab, no surgery. And this has led to a significant disconnect between Eichel and the organization. And he made some comments this past week that uh, basically – made it seem like he's unsure if he wants to continue to play for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, again, he is their captain, uh, but as we saw with Taylor Hall, some of his comments he made after leaving Buffalo, it just seems like players are not too thrilled with that organization at the moment. So Eichel's comments, uh, if, in case you know, anyone missed them, I think the most important thing is just trying to get healthy and figure out a way to be available to play hockey next year, wherever that may be. That's... That's again, that doesn't sound like someone who is, who's too thrilled and too keen on his future in Buffalo. I think I've got a lot of thinking to do this off season. There's a lot I'll have to consider for now. Obviously I'm here. I'm the captain of this hockey team. My goal is to be available and to try and help the guys in the room and help this organization win hockey games. And I'll continue to do that as long as I'm here. He, after being asked if Eichel thought he was part of the solution in Buffalo, he kind of, he called it a loaded question. And that's when he went into the, the, the whole saga where he said, you know, uh, I'd be lying if I said that things had moved smoothly since my injury, there's been a disconnect. Uh, he wanted to have surgery. Um, and long story short, it just seems like uh, there are two very much different philosophies. Uh, you know, general manager, Kevin Adams, has uh, you know tried to kind of smooth these waters out and say that you know that, that it's just a, a minor disagreement, but it it seems like Eichel is uh, is very much at odds with the organization. So Lauren, I want to start with you. What did you make of Eichel's comments? Uh, you know, obviously the first thing you think of when a story like this comes out is you see like all the different mock trade proposals. Uh, do you think that Eichel is long for Buffalo? Do you think that he will try and force his way out? Uh, you know, just your, your thoughts on a, an organization kind of trying to mandate to a player like, no, uh, you, what you think is in the best interest for your body is not, uh, is not what we want you to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad look for Buffalo, to say the least. I mean, we, we tell, we're told 
growing up. Like we know when something's wrong with our body, we know what's best for our bodies. And this isn't just like a shoulder injury, a broken ankle. This is his neck. And this is going to be something that potentially could follow him for many years. And he's not old. Like he's not, you know, he's not Zizano Chara, 43 years old, skating around with these, with these neck issues. Um, he's supposed to be one of these polarizing, and he is a polarizing player, but to, for it to come out and speak out against your organization, good for him. I'm glad that he brought the, the issues to light because, you know, this, I feel like this could be solved if he just had the surgery. I'm no doctor. I don't know the extent of his injury there, but if he wants the surgery and his team is telling him no, I would hope there'd be a good reason, but it doesn't sound like there, there is at all. And what I thought was really, really telling was that night Taylor Hall was asked about it and he immediately said, you know, he had some dark days in Buffalo and I was like, what the hell is going on in this organization where he was very candid about it. And there was almost like, he wasn't throwing the Buffalo organization under the bus by any means, but he was really towing that line. And I was just like sitting there, I'm like, keep going, keep going. Like, this is, yeah. but you know, he said it best, like Jack has to do what's best for him. And it's just, like I said, it's not a good look when your star player is coming out basically saying that I want to have surgery and they told me I can't like they're his parents and he's some like 12 year old kid going into a potentially very dangerous surgery so I mean I hope for the Sabres sake that they figure it out and their fan base I hope that they do figure it out but I think Jack Eichel's uh, days are numbered yeah I mean not in life (laughs) (laughs) yeah very important distinction yeah I mean Listen, he's still just 24 years old. He is a, a, a young player still, uh, and he has missed some time due to you know, lingering injuries. And I don't blame him for wanting to just take care of his body. And, uh, and you know, again, anytime you're talking about a herniated disc, anytime you're talking about back-related issues or neck-related issues, you know, that is the... That is the most important part of your body. It's not the same as uh, like, oh, you know, they want me to, to not get surgery on a, on a you know, fractured forearm uh you know they want me to rehab it you know those are that's reasonable when you're trying to advise a player that he cannot you know have corrective surgery on something that's neck or back related i mean that that's an issue and we've seen you know there there are organizations that just do not have the greatest medical staffs and you know sometimes you know if you're kevin adams or if you're buffalo sabers leadership when it is in the best interest of your best player you know your captain sometimes you need to toe the line and, and kind of uh, go over over the heads of, I think, of your medical staff and say, okay, we are going to overrule you here. We are going to let this player who is the face of our franchise do what he thinks is in the best interest of, of uh, you know, his future. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's very disappointing that it's gotten to the point where, you know, he's commenting on it publicly and, you know, hockey players don't typically do that. They usually like to keep things pretty low key. So uh, for Eichel to be, you know, very publicly, you know, talking about his, his issues with the organization, that, that, that means he must be very frustrated. Jake, did you see the comments that Eichel made? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? And, uh, you know, similar to what I said to Lauren, do you think that Eichel, you know, could wind up forcing his way out of Buffalo, trying to, you know, formally request a trade? Uh, no word on whether or not he's actually done that yet, but, you know, it could be a possibility. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I saw them and I just pulled them up and I reread them now. And uh, it's, it's the same thing uh, as when I first originally heard them. You know, his, the writing's on the wall in terms of him being in Buffalo. We can even go back to last year, and there was a little bit of discourse even a little bit before that. But last year he said, you know, I'm just fed up with losing. And, you know, they went out and they brought in Taylor Hall, and, they, you know, people were painting them for, you know, somewhat a good season, maybe not contending, but they're rebuilding, and they've been rebuilding for the past 10 seasons. And Buffalo's the place where you go to die, essentially, at this point in terms of NHL. And it's just kind of sad that uh, he, you know, he signs this eight-year contract for the team that drafts him second overall. And, he, you know, he was glowing about being in Buffalo. He wanted to be in Buffalo. And just ever since that contract signing, it's just gone all downhill for him. And now it's getting to the point where, look, the NHL season, when we go back to 82 games, it's a grind. You know, the, the smallest little nagging injury could affect your entire team it can could affect your entire play and then when we get into the playoffs I know he hasn't made the playoffs yet not to you know stomp on him while he's down but you know the playoffs are just as much of a grind as the regular season is and he's at a point in his career where yeah he's young but he wants to be on a team and he wants to contend because he wants to win and right now Buffalo is not going to be in that position I don't think they'll be in that position at all within the next maybe five years and I, I know that's a little bit of a a like strong verbiage to say, but I, I just really don't think Buffalo is in any shape to contend in any form whatsoever. And so it, the writing is on the wall for Jack Eichel in Buffalo. It's sad. And he's come out and he's said and done everything right. He hasn't thrown a hissy fit, but it, it, it's only a matter of time before he's going to blow a gasket, so to speak. I, I mean, it's just, you can tell that there's frustration. I mean, even going back to the comments of when a, uh, by Taylor Hall when he came into Boston and just built Buffalo. You know, there's something going on over there that is just not having the light shed on it. And for obvious reasons, you know, we don't need to know about that. Maybe somewhere in the near future we will. But right now there's just something going on in Buffalo. And Jack Eichel does not deserve to be a part of that, nor should he be a part of that. And it's sad, but, you know, there's, there's a brighter future for, for him. He's 24 years old. He's young. He's got a, he's got a long career ahead of him. So uh, this is just the first chapter of his career that, you know, may not be the best chapter, but there's more to write. So uh, hopefully he, you know, doesn't, he won't force his way out. I don't think, I think the Sabres will do right by him. Um, but uh, he's, he's not, he, he won't be back in Buffalo next season. I highly doubt he will be. And I think that's just the unfortunate truth when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres and Jack Eichel. It's been a dramatic saga that just needs to end at this point. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, it, 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 Things could very well come to a head and you know, Eichel may very well be moved. And if the Sabres do make it known that he is available, there are going to be a ton of teams reaching out and inquiring about uh, you know, trade packages. One of them is now run. Listen, this is going to be a segue. This is going to be a segue to end all segues. One of those teams that will probably, probably inquire about Jack Eichel, a current Sabres captain, is now being run by a former Buffalo Sabres captain and Chris Drury, and that is the New York Rangers. How about that for a segue? Oh my goodness. Uh, so that's the other news item that we, we need to address before we, you know, we, we get on and uh, we share our interview with uh, Carolyn Pilch. The New York Rangers, I don't know what is going on with them. So this has just been an absolute soap opera. Uh, again, if you have been living under a rock or you just have you know, forgotten, there has been a lot of turmoil uh, with the New York Rangers pretty much since they were formally eliminated from playoff contention. You had, uh, you know, James Dolan, who 
New York Knicks fans, uh, you know, they're very familiar with James Dolan uh, because he, you know, continues to ruin their favorite basketball team, but he does own the New York Rangers as well. Rangers fans don't typically need to, uh, you know, deal with Dolan's malfeasances and <laughs> his, his faults as an owner. Uh, I don't know if he's just bored or what, uh, uh, maybe because the Knicks are good this year, he's decided to turn his attention to the Rangers, the other team that he owns. But he made headlines within the last you know, two weeks by firing general manager Jeff Gorton, uh, who's you know, been a longtime GM there, has built some really good teams, as well as uh, you know, President John Davidson. And he very quickly hired Chris Drury, uh, who had been you know, uh, mentioned as a candidate to join the organization for a while. But he, uh, hired, uh, he hired Drury as both president and general manager. So he he filled uh, two roles with one person, uh, not uncommon to see you know, people serve as, uh, under both titles. But very quickly, upon uh, Chris Drury being named president and general manager of the New York Rangers, he fired head coach David Quinn, uh, who, quite frankly, I thought was doing a pretty good job with a, a young up-and-coming roster. It's got a, you know, a, a good mix of uh, you know, veteran star talent and, and young talent, but uh, after a very short time on the job, uh, David Quinn was uh, relieved of his head coaching duties. And then shortly after that, Brian Leach, who is a legendary uh, defenseman and longtime New York Ranger, he had been in an advisory role with the Rangers and he decided to resign from his post uh, following this turmoil. So you have general manager gone, president gone, head coach gone, advisor to the GM gone, new president and GM in, and no one knows exactly what the Rangers are doing. It just seemed like it was a team that was very much on the rise. And, uh, you know, they just, they were in a tough division this year, that mass mutual East division, uh, you know, they hung in there as long as they could to get a playoff spot. They certainly have a bright future, but now everyone's thinking, what is this team going to do? So Lauren, what do you make of all of these personnel decisions that the Rangers made? Uh, do you think they have the first clue what they're doing? Is there a plan? Uh, should people be scared that they're going to start getting super aggressive in free agency? I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I'm baffled by this because the Rangers were competitive this year. They were in a playoff spot up until they literally couldn't compete for one anymore. And that was what last week, the week before. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you have the statement about Tom Wilson and then it just, everything goes down the drain from there. Right. And now it's like, okay, what's next? Because you still have this strong roster. And I thought Dave Quinn, I thought he was great. I thought he fit in well there. I thought the players responded to him. And I thought he was going to be not, not the answer, but he's going to help the Rangers get back to the playoffs. And I don't really know what's next. I I'm kind of, you know, on the fence of them being super aggressive, but also just filling the roles as need be and just not really do anything with the roster. And I think the fact that I'm like, I, I just don't know is kind of scary in and of itself. Cause it's like, I don't understand the moves at all because they were a competitive team. They still were a competitive team, even when they got kicked out of the playoffs. So it's just mind boggling to me. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and thank you for adding that wrinkle. I forgot to, to mention that. It, shortly after the Rangers released uh, the, a very weird statement regarding you know, the incident with, uh, with Tom Wilson and, and uh, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, it, it, very quickly after that is when Davidson and Gorton were, were fired. And 
there were rumblings that like they weren't supportive of the statement that was released and uh, yeah, people were having a lot of uh, a lot of fun with uh, you know that speculation but that, that just very very odd and, and Gorton is a GM who I feel like he's not going to be out of work very long he's very respected he was of course in Boston uh, during the the overlap period um, before uh, Peter Chiarelli came aboard in Boston and he actually is the the GM who signs Dano Chara and Mark Savard um, and I know that the Bruins were trying to get him back uh, when Chiarelli left the organization uh, before ultimately uh, hiring Don Sweeney. So uh, he's someone who's very well respected across the NHL. I know that he'll find work quickly, but something is just amiss here. Jake, what did you think of, uh, I know you've been dealing with finals and taking up our houses, uh, but did you see all of this Rangers news? What do you make of all of these, uh, these decisions that they've made? And, you know, do you think Chris Drury has his hands full? Uh, I think, I, I don't think he has his hands full as much as the entire uh, drama-filled saga that the Rangers have been on the last two weeks makes you want to believe. Uh, I've really just boiled it down to that now that the Knicks are good, James Dolan needs another team to just completely dismantle and make it terrible. And I exactly. think he just yeah, he, he just looked at the Rangers. Like, that's the only explanation I have. Like, it just, it's so mind boggling to me because this was a competitive team, just like Lauren said, uh, you know, they were in it mostly till the end there. Hell, about a month, month and a half ago, we were talking about maybe the Rangers kicking the Bruins out of the playoffs and taking that fourth and final spot. Yep. And now all of a sudden they're gone with their GM. They're gone with their head coach. I mean, it, it's, it's like almost overnight. And I know it wasn't the Tom Wilson incident that really was the beginning of this. There was definitely something going along the lines to begin with, but like the Tom Wilson incident definitely gaslighted this whole situation. And I just, I don't know why it came to this. I, I, I don't know what led it to this, but the, uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm just so flabbergasted. I can't even really put it into words. It, it's, it's just James Dolan. It's just James Dolan. That, that's, that's my only explanation because that's the only realistic way that I can look at that and be like, you know what? I can understand that. It just, <laughs> it just boils down to James Dolan being a terrible owner and uh that's that's really all I got to say about that. I I just it's so mind-boggling and stupid to me. Yeah, I just I I really don't understand interference. Uh, you know, and Dolan does this more than anyone else. Uh, it seems like as an owner, maybe besides Jerry Jones in the NFL, uh, just you know ownership just domineering and and you know hovering over every decision. And uh, again, this was a team that was in heading in the right direction. They were much more competitive this year than I think people expected them to be, especially in a tough division, you know, that they had dealt with injuries all year. You know, it, it's a, it's a shortened pandemic season. And like, I feel like you should be almost exempt from big consequences in a situation like that. It's just, yeah, very odd. Uh, of course, many people are already speculating that uh, John Tortorella could return to the Rangers I hope that's not the case. I just think, I, I don't think you need to recycle coaches. This isn't Montreal. Uh, but I, I, I am very interested to see who New York hires because that is a premier job. It's a very premier job uh, in the NHL, uh, the head coach of the New York Rangers. So we'll have to see what happens there. But just an absolutely bizarre situation that uh, none of us quite understand. But, you know, Brian Leach, too, just deciding that he's going to resign you know, from that advisory role when Drury had specifically said he wanted to keep him on. Just something is weird there where people are just saying like, you know what, maybe I'll get out of this organization right now. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, but uh, anything else there, Jake? Oh, I, I was just going to add a little, um, little tidbit. I, I do like that they hired Mike Greer, though. I think that was a very good uh, signing for them, especially given the whole 
you know, stupidity that went on the past two weeks. That there was actually some level of intelligence coming out of the Rangers. So uh, I, I will say that was a good move. So I'm very excited to see what happens with that. Yeah, Greer is uh, jumping aboard to actually fill that role that uh, Leach vacated. So yeah, that's a definitely a good addition to the organization. And you're seeing more and more ex-players starting to get involved in uh, in in you know like management of these teams. It's going to be it's going to be weird as, you know, as, as I get older, as a hockey fan, as you know, Lauren is, uh, is, you know, aligned with me there in terms of, you know, our, our, as we're getting older as hockey fans, seeing players who played when we were uh, kids starting to lead organizations is very weird. Uh, so we'll have to, we'll have to see if it, uh, if it keeps going, but I want to move on now uh, to our chirp session. And for our chirp session, we have a very special interview uh, that we teased on social and we teased at the start of this episode. And that is, an interview with Boston Pride General Manager Carolyn Pilch, and we had a fantastic conversation with her, uh, you know, with uh, Lauren Haley and I, and we're excited for you to hear it. So uh, we spend about, you know, 25, 30 minutes with her talking about the Isabel Cup, talking about the future of the NWHL, and we're excited for you to listen to her, her thoughts. So um, she, she also, I think, got a kick out of a question that I asked specifically about goalies. Uh, Carolyn does have a background as a goaltender. I think she probably thinks I'm a crazy person after asking this question, but uh, we'll let you all be the judge of that. So uh, stay tuned for our interview with Carolyn Pilch right now. And we are so, so pleased right now to be joined by a very special guest. We teased this over the course of the week, and we are pleased to be joined right now by general manager, Isabel Cup winning general manager of the Boston Pride Carolyn Pilch. Carolyn, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, that was a great intro. I, I enjoy that uh, Isabel Cup there. I feel like that's, I just gonna have to win year after year to be introduced like that. Exactly. No, no pressure on you or anything. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on Snipe and Sally today. Uh, you are actually you're our second interview ever, but our biggest interview ever. So, uh, you know, again, no pressure on you. <laughs> okay, geez, I know. You guys are packing it all on. All right, I'm ready, though. I'm good. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just so excited that we were finally able to, to get you on here. Uh, I've been bu bugging Lauren forever to, I'm like, hey, can you reach out to Carolyn? Uh, yeah, what, what can you do? Can you get her on? <laughs> so, um, thank you so much for jumping on with us, uh, you know, First and foremost, what has this last month and a half been for you since, uh, you know, winning the Isabel Cup? It's, it's been wild. You know, it's kind of crazy that it's only been a month and a half. I feel like we've lived an entire another lifetime. And just the nature of our season, even in itself, you know, the way that the bubble went and the pause and coming back, I'm like, wait, you look back and I feel like blink and it's all gone. But at the same time, I'm like, how did an entire year go by? And I feel like this last month, month and a half has been the same way. And the Boston community has been unbelievable. I mean, we've done everything from, you know, a, a day in the city with the mayor to throwing out the first pitch with the Red Sox. Like we're just, you know, there's no better place to win a championship than Boston. And we've been very, very fortunate for that. So true. Just adding to the very storied tradition of, of the city of Boston and, and championships uh, and, the, and the, the pride are obviously now the, the first two-time winner of the Isabel Cup. I know that this is your first, so it must be just unbelievably special to you. Um, but I know that, you know, both of my other line mates, uh, Lauren and Haley, have some, uh, some 
pride specific questions for you. But before I move over to them, I actually had a goalie question uh, for you because I, I know that your, your background oh is a goalie. <laughs> it is a, a long time ago, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> and so this is a very specific question I have because uh, I, I was not a, a goalie when I, I played hockey. My brother was a goalie and my brother played through, um, you know, through, through college at Sacred Heart. Oh, nice. And, um, Something that I noticed about him, and it's actually a trait that I have inherited as someone who, you know, I'm, you know, family of the goalie and very nervous at games. Something that when I am watching games now, and, you know, the, the puck is in, uh, you know, the, the defensive zone, and, you know, someone is winding up for a shot, I just instinctively, and I, he does this as well, I instinctively kick my leg out. I kick my leg out, like almost as if I, I need to, to, uh, to you're, you're save the puck. You're going to make and I want to know, is this something that every goalie does? Is this something that you do as well when you're watching games right now? Or am I just a, a psycho person? I can't say that I'm making saves from, you know, the stands or from watching. Um, so that might be, you know, in your own wheelhouse and not so much mine. But I, I applaud your efforts. <laughs> I don't know how it started for me, but it, just watching him in net, uh, I was always like feeling like I was making the saves myself. And now, you know, if I'm watching the Bruins uh, as a Bruins fan, you know, anytime someone's winding up for a shot on Tuca, I'm like uh, kicking my leg out and I'm like, I'll have to ask Carolyn about this. So it sounds so like what it's you're just... saying is everyone needs to go top shelf on you. That's what I'm <laughs> Correct. Exactly. <laughs> I'm an imaginary butterfly goalie. <laughs> got it. Got it. Oh, uh, Lauren, I'd love to uh, jump over to you and, uh, you know, have your, your questions for Carolyn. Yeah. So Carolyn, we spoke, I think in December about how this was going to be kind of a revenge tour for the pride, given how the 2020 season ended. And then it's kind of, it's like flashback to 2020. It's 2020 all over again with the COVID pausing the season and then finally getting to restart in Boston, which must have been amazing for the Pride in general, but th was this just like the perfect way to cap off this revenge tour, especially against Minnesota and also beating Toronto, which is just a, a Boston staple in, in, in this city, but was it just like the, the perfect way to end it against Minnesota on home ice um, in front of, you know, the cardboard fans, but with being on national <laughs> television as well? I know our New York cardboard fan was very much in attendance. I, I can say that for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. I mean, for everything that our players went through this season and our staff and, you know, the extension of everyone in the, in the league, it was, you know, to be able to finally pull this off and play these games, which at one point we honestly didn't know if they were even going to happen, you know, Lake Plastic gets shut down and that was that for a couple of weeks and people worked around the clock and tirelessly to, to pull this off and, you know, to your point, to be in Boston, you know, it was just really rewarding. It was great to be at home. I mean, we we're in a hotel in our in our second little like mini bubble. So, um, you know, that in itself was sort of like a road trip at home, which was another cool experience. But um, yeah, no, I mean, to, to play Minnesota, to knock out Toronto, I mean, kind of like the storybook that you write out, you know, the game that was never played the year before. And um, you know, I just so, so happy that the players were able to accomplish this and they certainly deserved it for everything they put in and very, very, very glad and lucky that, you know, it all went off the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. And you and Paul both talk a lot about how you build this team off character, not just on the ice, but off the ice. And we saw that, uh, you know, with Sammy Davis doing the polar plunges. We've seen that with 
just like every one of these these women just have an amazing story about what they do off the ice and did, when when the season was paused you know did that did that not hurt their character but were they kind of down on themselves or how did they just rally around each other being like we have to only control what we can control like let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here yeah i actually think the pause for our team where that you know the culture and the tight-knit nature of our group was beneficial to us um i had never thought about it as a negative like originally when we were going to the bubble because i was like oh our team is super close we're gonna go up there we're all gonna be together um you know that's gonna work to our advantage and it was actually quite the opposite because we would go to the rink we'd go back to the hotel that was it there was like very little interaction so I think the the pause and being able to come back together after um, and you know that from the minute that things were paused their next question was when do we get back on the ice um, and I think that's just the nature of who they are and their competitors and you know they wanted nothing more than to compete for that cup so I definitely think that helped you know no one was begrudgingly putting another month into the season I can say that for sure so again all the credit in the world goes out to to those players and all the work that they put in to be successful and I think what amazes me the most too is that these women have full-time jobs I know some of them took leave while they were in Lake Placid um I know Jillian Dempsey was teaching while she was in Lake Placid and they're just doing a full-time scheduled by day and then a full-time hockey scheduled by night and I think that speaks to their character as well yeah, I mean, they're incredible people for everything that they were able to balance. And I would say probably 80% of the team was working straight through the bubble. And I think that's one of the things that we've all learned in this pandemic is all of a sudden you can have a fifth grade teacher teaching a, a you know, a classroom in Winthrop from Lake Placid and, you know, people doing research for their biomed firms and things like that. And, you know, can all happen remotely. So that's probably the one one silver lining of this entire pandemic is how fluid and capable everyone was and to be able to continue that. And not too many people had to take, you know, time off, off, which is great. Um, and, you know, they're really able to get work done up there and work by day and hockey by night. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll hand it over to Haley now. I know she's uh, a new NWHL fan. She's selected the Boston Pride as her team this year. And she's, um, she's from Texas. She lives in Texas. So that was a big win for us there. So I'll give oh, it a perfect. <laughs> yes. Well, um, so the final was my first game watching. And can I tell you that I am so on board with women's hockey. <laughs> sports in general, being a woman are huge to me. I'm a huge I'm a USA women's soccer fan. So I had such a blast yelling at the TV, cheering for you guys. And uh, that final just made me so excited for the next season. Well, I, I mean, we did, we pulled out all the stops there. I mean, you had penalty shots and five on threes. And yeah, so if you couldn't get into that game, I don't know if you're a hockey fan. So I'm glad we roped you right in. Yes, exactly. And, I, and I've been a hockey fan my whole life. And for some reason, I just, I don't know, I took a little bit off from watching hockey. And that's probably why I missed the NWHL for the past two years, because I was like, what is wrong with me? I love women. <laughs> I'm not watching this. Um, I am huge on like women empowerment. And so my first question to you was about being these role models for little girls who want to play hockey and, and what that means to you. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously why everyone, first and foremost, is in the game here and, you know, being able to be the future for, you know, these younger generations and 
what we're building to and striving forward and making those steps every day. I mean, obviously a couple of weeks ago, we just announced like the doubling of our salary cap, which is huge. Um, you know, really trying to create this environment for people to be able to look up and realize like they can be professional athletes. And, you know, I think, again, we're moving towards that direction of not needing, you know, multiple jobs and having to do, like we said earlier, work by day and hockey by night. Um, but step by step and making sure we're building from a solid foundation and looking forward to those generations that will come behind us. So incredible that you all have like regular jobs, which I mean, I consider this a regular job too, hockey, because it's, it is still a career and a job, but you guys have basically two jobs and you're still putting all of it on that ice. And I just, it's incredible to see and the dedication that you guys have for this team and for the community that you live in. I was so happy to see it on TV. And I know that you guys probably were even more excited that it would broadcast it on TV, but I wanted to talk to you about like your hopes for the future in that area and being having more games broadcasted. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. Obviously, like, you know, you said it yourself, like that was the first game that you had seen. And I think that was a lot of people's first game. And, you know, the two games on Friday night as well. Um, you know, I think it's really important for people that just haven't got their eyes on the product. I, I mean, I've been saying this for years, like once people see the game, they're all in. There's, you know, no one's like, oh, it's boring, it's slow, whatever. You know, it's fast paced, it's finesse, it's physical, like the hockey's, you know, the on ice product is awesome. Um, and I think it's an exposure piece for us. I think more people need to be exposed to it. And that's why, you know, people like Lauren are so important too and have been able to, to help us and really put us on the map this season. And it's definitely growing. It's growing here in Boston. One of my players actually told me a pretty funny story. She went um, through the airport to go. Her brother plays D1 hockey and she was going out to the Frozen Four and someone stopped her in the airport and was like, you're so-and-so. I don't want, I want to out her story, but was like you're so and so you play for the Boston Pride like can I have a picture with you and she was like Pilch I didn't even have any pride gear on like I don't even know how they knew it was me so um that stuff is huge and huge for us and huge for putting us on the map and yeah you know we can only hope that that's what we continue to build on for the future yeah I definitely feel like that's one of our goals here on Snipe and Selly as well you know we want to get it out there more and we want to talk about it more because it is so important that that you guys have more eyes on you because it it's incredible hockey play. I mean, like I said, I was just so involved in that game from my couch and constantly texting my castmates here and like um, living all the moments through it. So it was really exciting. And I just wanted to get like your, your future hopes for the NWHL in general. So like team expansions and anything like that that you want to see over the next few years. I think, you know, everything's on the table in terms of growth. I think, yes, absolutely expansion, um, you know, more teams. And obviously there's so much talent out there too, like getting everyone um, together and making sure, you know, we're fielding six, eight, 10, whatever it is, teams that are truly competitive, I think um, is where, you know, where the league is headed and putting hockey and women's hockey in some of these markets that might not necessarily have it at this point. Maybe their college game isn't there yet. Um, things like that. So, you know, I think the growth there could be very, you know, exponential within the next, I don't know, even five to 10 years, you look at it. And then, um, of course, like increasing the player experience and improving that and more money and more sponsorships, like it all drives, um, you know, the entire big picture here. And I think that's, you know, the, the path that everyone is looking down and, you know, why we're all here and, and pounding the pavement at this point. 
yeah, I think that's that's a really great answer for it. I mean, my hopes definitely are just for it to get bigger and bigger, broadcasted on TV more so that fans can really see it, especially those young girls who want to be a part of it and being able to see it on TV. Um, I just have two more questions for you. One being advice you would have for women in sports who maybe feel like they can't play at such a high level. Um, any advice that you would have for those girls or your experiences that you've had becoming a professional athlete? You know, it's a, a good question. And I feel like it's just everything is about your own goals and your own perspective and what you're looking for and what makes you happy. And, you know, if, if that means you're just like picking up the, the game and you're playing pick up on Thursday nights, hey, that's awesome. Um, I think at some point you need to take care of yourself as number one and figure out what's going to drive you and drive your own personal happiness, motivation, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, setting goals and striving to reach them and figuring, figuring out that path and, and what makes sense for you. And, you know, there's out of 10 times you ask for things, maybe nine people say no, but that 10th time when someone says, says yes, it's just worth it that much more. So, so just keep pushing forward and, you know, don't, don't take everything at face value and, you know, keep, keep being motivated and moving forward. I think that sometimes people feel like it's too late to follow their dreams, but it's definitely not. I think people just got to take that leap and follow them. Uh, my, my last question for you is just that what we as fans can do to support you guys and to support the NWHL. Yeah, actually people ask this question a lot and it kind of goes back to what I said before. And it's about that exposure. It's about talking about the team and, you know, sharing your experience and you sharing and saying, you know, how much you enjoyed watching that game and, spreading that around I think just the hockey community and the fans in the hockey community are so passionate that if you know we're able to share that not only across like you know we're so lucky in Boston we have the, the Bruins are you know just so much history and culture here but if we spread that across the um, you know the Boston Pride and the NWHL as well it's just you know it's huge and it just builds our place in the community and more people are talking about it and then more people want to hear about it. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, of course. Uh, so, uh, so Carolyn, I, uh, you know, we want to definitely get you out of here and uh, have you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I just had a couple uh, uh, final questions for you. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of alluded to, uh, you know, when answering one of Haley's questions, you know, trying to expand the talent throughout, uh, you know, throughout the league, maybe a future expansion. Um, and one of my questions had to do with future NWHL talent. And obviously the last 14 months or so uh, have created chaos for all of us. Obviously, you know, your league specifically had two different pauses due to these, these circumstances. So my question had to do with how, you know, this pandemic and this, you know, these, these last 14 months in general has impacted, uh, you know, the way that you scout the potential talent pool, you know, uh, the, the collegiate players. Obviously, you're based in a market with a hotbed for collegiate talent being, you know, in New England. Uh, but, you know, with games being canceled, uh, you, know, you know, certain leagues suspending play, how challenging has it been to be able to, you know, scout, you know, the future potential members of the Boston Pride? Yeah, that's a good question. And you know what, I feel like that's another one of these quote unquote silver linings of the pandemic is like the coverage of all of these college games. Um, you know, they've done so much more in like, I mean, Hockey East is on Nesson. Like I can remember a handful of games that 
I was able to watch on TV, certainly through the playoffs. Um, and it's going to be a really interesting year with, you know, 90, I would say probably 90% of NCAA players taking their, they get another year because of COVID. So even if they played this year, everyone gets another year. So, um, you know, people are transferring. It's almost like the NCAA has created like their own small professional league here where teams are sort of making trades and who has scholarships and where are these seniors going and do they have a fifth year? So, this is the most challenging, you know, draft slash building of a team that I've experienced so far. Um, but the scouting piece, I feel like luckily has been, you know, pretty similar to, to what it has been in the past. I'm a big fan of, you know, being in the rink. I think you see people in a different light and that's definitely my style. Um, that being said, to adapt and to at least be able to catch things on TV, I think, you know, we still have a pretty good handle on our pipeline in the future within the next couple of years, but you know, next year will definitely be interesting. And I'm, I'm sure that you probably have a good handle on the pipeline of uh, Boston university players as well. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um, so the last thing for me is um, well, two, two, uh, two smaller questions, but uh, number one uh, to put you on the spot, uh, the hardest thing to do in all of professional sports is to repeat and so my question to you is, what do the Boston Pride need to do uh, in order to repeat? Uh, you know, what, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that anything that you've, uh, your offseason started a month and a half ago, so I'm sure you're already in the swing of things. But, you know, what, what do you need to do in order to, to repeat Isabel, as Isabel Cup champions? You know, I think that starts with the room. And we talked about this. And, you know, I think that's always going to be like for as long as, you know, Pond, you build this team and, you know, continue to unbelievable leaders and, you know, leadership and hope that continues right down the line. And they really set the tone. And I think we have a winning culture and a winning mentality. And, you know, I hope and my plan is to be the team to beat again. So, you know, we'll just keep working, keep moving forward and making sure we're putting in that, you know, time and effort when it's necessary and taking the appropriate rest time and getting healthy and all that. And then, you know, that, that puck drop in October, November, wherever it may fall, we're, you know, full throttle at that point. And absolutely our goal is to repeat. Absolutely. I'm excited to see it as all three of us are avid supporters of the, of the Boston pride. Uh, and so the, I'll get you out of here on, on this one uh, later in this episode, uh, we as a crew are going to be doing our Stanley cup playoff preview. And so Again, put you on the spot. Uh, you know who's your Stanley Cup champion? And keep in mind, this is this is an uh, unbiased hockey podcast. There is no pressure on you to say that the Boston Bruins are are your Stanley Cup champion. But uh, you know, uh, let, let's hear it. Oh, you guys are putting me on the spot. But how can I go with anybody but you know our partners in crime here over in the city, where you know the Boston Pride are one hundred and ten percent behind them? I think this series is going to be unbelievable hockey. I can't wait to watch. I feel like. There's so much passion and so much fire behind it right now. Everything is phenomenal. Like I just obviously them got Z over there and like some of the stuff that he had. So game day is game day. So I think it's going to be an unbelievable series and exciting. And I definitely take my guys all the way to the cup. Love to hear it. Well, we we certainly hope that you're right. Um, so. Carolyn, uh, for our listeners, uh, you know, where can they find you on, uh, on social media? And, uh, and, you know, what, what do you just want to leave them with uh, if they have not yet watched uh, an NWHL game? 
oh, what is wrong with you would be my first question. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, just, you know, take a chance, get out there, see a game. Hopefully we've got people in Warrior that, you know, if that's something that people haven't been able to experience yet or even last season, like that's a whole other element to our game that's just so, so exciting. You know, that building's packed and sold out pretty much every time we play, which, you know, creates a, a great environment and you're so close to the hockey there and the, the pace of the game, it's just, it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. So, you know, jump on some tickets, definitely follow along on, you know, we're back on Twitch, get involved in the, in the chat streams, which I, I've heard is a thing that obviously I'm not involved in. Um, I'm a little preoccupied on game day, but I've heard that's awesome too. So yeah, just, you know, do some, do a little research and, and, you know, find a time to catch the team and, yeah, my socials are just Twitter and, and Instagram, just Carolyn Pilch, pretty simple, not a whole lot of creativity there. So, um, but no, and I just want to thank you guys. This is awesome. It's been great to chat with all of you and Lauren again for everything you did for us this season. You've been an absolute rock star and we can't thank you enough and appreciate all the work that you've done for us without a doubt. It was so much fun. I can't wait to do it again next season and in this off season, I can't wait to continue this coverage. It's been such a blast and I'm so lucky to have built this relationship with you in the pride and I can't wait for to see where the future brings us. Yes, I love it. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Carolyn, thank you very much once again for joining us and I mean, who knows? We'd love to have you on again, maybe the, before the season starts, talk to you again. But uh, just thank you so much for joining us and, uh, you know, best of luck uh, with the rest of your off season. Of course. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Anytime. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all very much uh, for listening to our interview with Carolyn Pilch. Again, we had so much fun with her. We hope that she will agree to come on again. That is definitely our biggest interview so far. Uh, you know, we, so far we, we've interviewed Evan Marinovsky, um, who, who covers the, the Bruins. Uh, we, and, and we've interviewed Carolyn. So, uh, you know, we, we got to get some more interviews under our belt, uh, get Snipe and Sally on the map a little bit. We're just so grateful that, uh, that Carolyn joined us. And uh, we, again, we'd love to have her on uh, to talk NWHL in the future. But before we wrap up this episode, Again, this is the eve of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it starts this evening, and we got to go around, uh, go around the room, and, and you know, get our, our you know playoff preview done. So, for anyone who again is just you know a little bit out of the loop, maybe you didn't uh, you know keep tabs on the the way that the NHL aligned the postseason this year. Again, it's different than in years past, probably just for this season, but uh, you know the format is a little bit different. So you had the the four brand new divisions. Uh, for, for this season and the top four teams out of each division wound up qualifying for the Stanley cup playoffs. So you still have the same 16 team field, but it's not necessarily Eastern conference and Western conference. In fact, there are no conference finals this year. It is just, you know, semifinals for, uh, for, you know, two, two different sides to get into the, to the playoffs, not necessarily broken down by conference. So Again, the way that things are going to, uh, to go, you have the four division winners uh, or four top finishers in the Scotia North Division, which is Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, respectively. You have uh, the Mass Mutual East Division, uh, the four top finishers there, which were Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, and the New York Islanders, respectfully. Uh, respectively. Uh, you have uh, the Honda West Division, where you have the Colorado Avalanche, President's Trophy winning uh, Colorado Avalanche, Lawrence Colorado Avalanche, 
you have the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wild, and the St. Louis Blues. And then finally, you have the Central Division uh, with the very surprising Carolina Panthers finishing first, followed by the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the I'm sorry, no, Florida, the, the Florida Panthers finished second uh, and Tampa finished third. And then fourth and final team in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs is the Nashville Predators. So these basically, this is an ode to old hockey where you play your way out of your division. So, uh, you know, the, the winners of each division, uh, you'll have, you know, four techni technical, you know, semifinalists. And the matchups there are going to be based off of regular season seeding. So regular season seeding will come back into play uh, when determining, you know, which of these uh, division winners uh, essentially play who. So if that's confusing at all, uh, I apologize, but uh, it's, uh, you know, that, that is the way that the NHL is doing it this year. Uh, so again, you know, a, a team like Colorado could have home ice advantage throughout the postseason based on, on being the president's trophy winner. Uh, and they would, you know, if they advanced to the semifinals would end up playing the lowest remaining seeded team based on the regular season. So again, that's, uh, that's the way that the playoffs are going to work, but we're very excited uh, despite the different format. It's still the Stanley cup playoffs. Uh, it's still the most exciting form of postseason competition in all of sports. And we want to tell you our cup final winner, we want to tell you, we're not going to go round by round and, and give you hypothetical second and third round matchups, but we were going to tell you who we think advances out of this first round. And we're going to tell you which first round matchup specifically we're most looking forward to. Uh, so Lauren, I want to start with you. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just start off again, first round matchup that you're looking forward to the most and just uh, out of these different matchups, who do you think advances? So again, uh, you know, we have Toronto and Montreal, we have uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg. We have Carolina and Nashville, Florida and Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh and the Islanders, Caps and Bruins, Avalanche and Blues, and the Knights and Wild. So, uh, you know, uh, I'll turn the floor over to you, Lauren. Yeah, so I am certainly looking forward to Florida and Tampa Bay. I don't even think I had Florida in the playoffs at the beginning of the season, and they've just been a surprise team through and through the whole way. So I'm super excited for that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I would love to see Florida win, but you know, a completely healthy 100, 110% healthy Tampa Bay lightning is a very dangerous team. Um, and I think uh, I'm just going to go right down the list. I think, I think Toronto's going to advance. I think Edmonton, uh, Nashville and Tampa Bay will advance from that. Those conference games, and then I think the Islanders, the Bruins, Colorado, and I'm going with Minnesota over uh, the Golden Knights to get out of those first round games. Um, and for Stanley Cup winner, it, as much as it pains me to not say the Bruins, I'm going to give it to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, no surprise, but I do think they are an incredibly strong team. I think they're a complete team and a thorough team that's going to be very, very difficult throughout the entire course of these playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they they won the President's Trophy for a reason. They have been excellent all year long. Uh, they've dealt with adversity. They are the first NHL team to uh, to shout us out on Twitter, so or interact with us on Twitter. So uh, again, uh, we are definitely an Avalanche positive podcast. Um, but yeah, it just it, that's a team that I think a lot of people can can get behind. Um, so yeah, I I think the Avalanche will go far as well. Uh, I'm 
very intrigued by uh, so Lauren is Lauren does not buy the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they had a very good regular season, and Lauren's like, "Yeah, don't care. I don't believe in these guys. I, I like that." <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be really cool, and I, I agree with you that Tampa and Florida series is going to be very captivating. I think just the Panthers were a team that I mean, none of us uh, in our earlier uh, you know, season predictions on Snipe and Sailing, none of us predicted that the, uh, the Panthers would make the playoffs. Uh, and so I think there's going to be a lot of people who have their eyes open to the Florida Panthers because they still didn't, uh, there's still a lot of people who just didn't see a lot of their games this year, I feel like. So uh, it's a team that can definitely make a run. They, uh, their regular season was no accident. Um, so Jake, I wanted to go to you uh, next, my friend, um, you know, similar to what, uh, you know, what I mentioned uh, in what I laid out for Lauren, uh, you know, I want to get your, your cup winner. I want to get uh, the first round matchup that you're looking forward to the most. And just, you know, who do you think advances out of these uh, first round matchups as a whole? Um, so I mentioned it earlier, but the, the, the first round matchup I'm really looking forward to uh, is, again, the Panthers and Lightning. Uh, just seeing Kucherov and Stamkos come back. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And then the Florida Panthers, you, you know, again, uh, team that no one really expected, you know, not, not like – by no means are the Florida Panthers a team you look at at the beginning of the season and be like, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be competing. They're going to be a dangerous team. But, you know, they put it together. They've been a strong team this year. And they've had a, they've had a little bit of a goalie issue with uh, Sergei Bobrovsky going down. But uh, Chris Dredger's come in and been absolutely phenomenal. And, I, you know, but neither of their goalies had, have started a playoff game yet. So we'll see. But I actually, <laughs> and just this may be because I have a little disdain for the Lightning, but uh, I, I do think that they can win this series. I, I think they can take it in seven. Um, they probably won't. Uh, realistically, my gut tells me that the Lightning will win, so they probably will win that series. But I, I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say the Florida Panthers will win that series in seven. Um, you know, with the Bees and the Capitals, I think the longer this series goes on, the more it's going to favor the Capitals. But I'm going to go with the homer pick for now and say the uh, – Bruins take that series. Uh, Pens and Isles, I have the Penguins coming out of that series. Uh, and then the rest of the first round, I have the Canes going over the Predators, um, the Leafs over the Habs, the Oilers over the Jets, the Avs over the Blues, and then Vegas over Wild. Uh, and then, so I have two Stanley Cup picks. Um, the first one is, I actually have the Canes beating the Avalanche in seven uh, for the Stanley wow. Cup. It, it, because I, you know, that was my pick. Uh, maybe two or three months ago now. And I, I, you know, I'm going to stick to it. Um, maybe this is the year that James Reimer uh, turns go, or goes from James Reimer, you bum to James Reimer, the Stanley cup champion. Uh, probably not, but uh, you know, I, I picked them. I'm going to stick with it, but just because I'm a Homer and just because I want to see a bloodbath, I would love to see a Bruins and Maple Leaf Stanley cup final. I would absolutely love that. So if the Canes and Avs don't work out, I, I, I will be rooting for the Bruins and the Maple Leafs all the way to the Stanley Cup final. I would love to see that. It would be an absolute epic bloodbath, and Twitter would probably explode if that happened. I mean, inject that right into my bloodstream. I mean, that, <laughs> that, and again, it's, it's possible this year because of the, the, the unconventional alignment that, yeah, the Bruins and Leafs could theoretically play in the Stanley Cup final. Like, that, that would be absolutely incredible. Like you said, it would blow up Twitter. The, the, the only thing I'd look out for is, especially with these Canadian teams, with the whole um, Canadian government 
may not be allowed to you know cross the borders due to the pandemic and everything we'd have to see if, if the canadian team a makes the stanley cup finals uh where they would place them especially in terms of location they uh was talk about placing them in uh, a city where the where their team didn't make it uh so we'll have to look out for that if a canadian team does happen to make the Stanley Cup final, uh, but regardless, it's going to be exciting. But I, I so badly want Bruins and Maple Leafs, but uh, I, I can't make that Homer pick because it's just too. It's just, it's just, it's just basic. It's just too basic. So uh, I'm going to go with the Canes and Abs for now. But I really want Bruins, Maple Leafs. Well, uh, first of all, yeah, I mean, give it to any hockey fan uh, should should want that to happen. Um, uh, but your point about the, uh, the Scotia North division uh, and the Canadian teams is, is warranted because something is going to have to be done there, regardless of whether or not a Canadian team makes the Stanley cup final. Once, you know, there's a, a, a winner of that division, someone emerges from that group, uh, they're going to have to play a U.S. based team. So I don't know if the entire series would wind up being played in uh, that particular market. Like, uh, you know, all seven games are played in, in Carolina, for instance. Uh, and just, you know, the, you know, the Maple Leafs are designated as the home team for, for a handful of those games, or if they, uh, you know, have Toronto or any Canadian teams home games in a neutral site. Uh, but I, I think that, and I, I haven't seen anything about this, but I, I think that they'd have to, you know, bring that team over to the U.S. because I, I don't think, you know, like you said, the Canadian government is going to allow, uh, you know, all that, you know, intermittent traveling. So as we've seen with the Toronto Raptors, with the Blue Jays, like they're not able to play in their home country. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. So that's, that's something to keep an eye out for. I, I assume that there's a plan, but I have not read it yet, and maybe I just missed it. But... Before I provide my, uh, you know, my my picks, I did want to, you know, Haley was not able to join us for, um, you know, the the um, the middle uh, or the the start or the end of our show. You heard her in the middle on our uh, interview with Carolyn, uh, but she wanted to make everyone aware that her Stanley Cup pick is the Boston Bruins. Uh, she is going with the the Homer selection in this case. Uh, she thinks that 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 is her her Cup champion. Uh, she just believes in uh, the way that the Bruins are playing right now, and she wanted everyone to know that. Uh, so we'll certainly get uh, Haley's thoughts when we record next episode, uh, you know, and by then we'll probably be halfway through some of these first round series. Um, but, you know, Haley wanted to, she did not want to be left out. So uh, yeah, she, uh, she is definitely picking the, um, the Bruins to win the cup. As for myself, it's just, uh, if anyone who's listened to enough of our episodes by now uh, will know that I'm just, you know, hockey is my first love uh, in terms of sports. Uh, it is and the Stanley cup playoffs are just the, you know, NFL, NFL playoffs uh, are, you know, they definitely dominate my, my viewership too. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch every game, even if my team's not involved, but the Stanley cup playoffs obviously have more games and I will, yeah, I, even if I do not have a dog in that fight, I'll be watching a, you know, 10 p.m. West Coast Stanley Cup playoff matchup. Uh, you know, uh, I, I always do. Like, I, I am addicted to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I watch every single game if I can. And uh, it's just, this is my favorite time of the year. So it's starting a month later than it usually does. Usually it starts mid-April. But, um, you know, mid-May is, is fine with, by me. We'll have hockey through July. I could, uh, I could do, things could be a lot worse. Uh, so as for myself, the matchup that I am looking forward to in the first round more than anything else, again, we're all Bruins fans here. Uh, obviously the Bruins cap series uh, is definitely one that we will be uh, uh, focused on. But besides that, the matchup I am most looking forward to is Toronto Montreal. And 
The reason for that is because this, these are two teams that I absolutely despise. Uh, Montreal being the team I despise more than anything else, but Toronto being a close second. So uh, quite frankly, I would just like for, you know, you know, Bane to enter and, and, and blow up the arena. Uh, you know, but uh, if that can't happen, then, you know, I, I, I look forward to these two teams, hopefully wearing each other down over the course of a seven game series. I don't have a ton of faith that Montreal is going to be able to do that. I feel like Toronto could win this thing, you know, in five games, but maybe those five games are just incredibly interesting. Maybe these, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of drama. Maybe there's some, some, some good action, some fights, uh, you know, some chippy play. Uh, but I hope that Montreal could potentially extend this series. Uh, I just, I, I don't love the way that they finished off the season. So I don't feel great about how they're playing right now, but Toronto has been streaky this year. So maybe they can go cold. Who knows? We'll have to see, but I'm excited to see that series uh, again, just because of my bitter hatred for both of those franchises. But to kind of go down uh, the list, I do think that Toronto uh, and Edmonton wind up, uh, you know, emerging out of the first round from the Scotia North division. Uh, you know, again, Winnipeg along with Montreal is another team that just, I did not, like the way they finished the season. They had like a seven game losing streak at one point before, you know, winning a couple to secure their playoff spot. But yeah, I just, I don't love uh, the way that Winnipeg's playing right now. So that being said, they'll probably wind up winning the series because that's how the Stanley Cup playoffs go. But I think that Toronto and Edmonton advance out of the first round. I think that, I think that Tampa Bay will ultimately advance, uh, you know, over Florida. I, I would love to see the Panthers win. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I would love to see, uh, you know, them eliminate Tampa Bay. That's another franchise that I am very annoyed with and how uh, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos are suddenly hundred percent healthy. Well, uh, you know, uh, in their you know, salary cap, uh, long-term IR skirting, uh, you know, loophole that they found. Uh, but I think that uh, Tampa Bay ultimately wins this series, especially if these guys are, you know, hundred uh, percent. I just think that, you know, things are lined up for them to make another run. And I do think, uh, you know, despite Lauren's dis, uh, you know, disbelief in the Carolina hurricanes, I think that they end up uh, holding off Nashville. Nashville was a team that uh, just, you know, they were very bad to start the season. They got very hot. They did nothing at the deadline. And then they managed to just kind of hold on to that final playoff spot, hold off the stars I'm just, I'm not too impressed by Nashville as a whole. I think the Carolina, Carolina is a very good team and I think they could make a run. And uh, I think that they wind up uh, advancing out of the first round. So Tampa and Carolina uh, advance out of the central division. As for the mass mutual East division, I do think that, uh, that ultimately Pittsburgh advances because you know, similar, I just, I don't like the way that the Islanders finished off the season. They, they were very cold to finish off the year. The pickup of Kyle Palmieri really did not, work for them, which is interesting because he had been playing so well and uh, he, he's playing on their third line. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's not the fit that I think they, uh, everyone thought it would be when they acquired him. So I think Pittsburgh winds up advancing out of that series. And yeah, I think the Bruins end up beating the caps uh, to advance as well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give you a legitimate hockey reason, even if the Bruins uh, were limping into the playoffs, which they're not, they're actually playing better than anyone since the trade deadline. Uh, I would pick them to win this series. So uh, I just, I hope that they emerge from this series without uh, Tom Wilson sending, uh, you know, another player out of action. It, it's not even uh shtick. It's not even uh, hyperbole. He's very dangerous to be out there. Um, I don't think that he should be playing based on uh, his, the actions uh, that, you know, of multiple occasions this series, uh, this season, uh, I'm sorry, but he's out there. So uh, I hope that the Bruins are able to avoid, uh, you know, players being injured uh, due to Tom Wilson's malfeasances. 
And then finally, yeah, I think Colorado and Vegas wind up uh, emerging from, uh, you know, from the West. I, I just think that, you know, Minnesota and Vegas, that's going to be another really good series as well. I just think Vegas is too strong and they ultimately emerge. And I mean, seeing Colorado and Vegas play seven games would, would just be incredible in the second round. I hope to see that happen. But for my Stanley Cup champion, I'm going to, uh, I'm jumping on, on the same train as Lauren. I, I think that the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Uh, again, as, a, as an avid Bruins fan, I would love to see it happen. Uh, so, you know, Haley picked the, uh, the Bruins, as we heard earlier. Carolyn Pilch picked the Bruins uh, as her Cup champion. So we have two people picking the Bruins. Uh, and you have Lauren and I picking the Avalanche. And, uh, and ultimately, you have Jake picking the, the, the Hurricanes, which is uh, a great pick as well. So uh, I think that the Avalanche wind up winning the Stanley Cup. They are just so well-balanced, and I, it's a team that I really enjoy watching play. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that they could wind up winning the Cup, and I, I would not be surprised if they, if they did. I'd be very surprised if uh, they fell short. If they lost in the first round, I'd be utterly shocked. And again, Stanley Cup playoffs are very unpredictable, but if they lost to St. Louis in the first round, I'd be shocked. And if they're able to get past Vegas at that point, I think it's smooth sailing. Uh, so, uh, you know, I definitely think the Avs are winning it all. But that's going to kind of do it for our playoff preview. And again, you know, as these series go on, we'll definitely break down uh, the, the action on the ice. And, uh, you know, when the second round starts, we'll kind of uh, do the same thing. We'll kind of break down who we think advances uh, and, and from where. Uh, so just so excited that the playoffs are finally here. Before we wrap things up for uh, today's episode, I wanted to go around to uh, both of my line mates who are remaining, uh, Jake and Lauren, and see if they have any empty netters for us. So, uh, Jake, we'll start with you, my friend. Do you have an empty netter? Any kind of closing thoughts uh, before we wrap things up? I do. I got two. My, my first uh, empty netter is uh, we need to bring back the wine. Uh, we yes. are a wine and hockey podcast, and we have uh, neglected the winery for the past uh, month or so. So we need to get back on that. And... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, I don't think Tuka Rask is the Boston Bruins goalie next year. Um, I, uh, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Uh, I love Jeremy Swayman. Uh, I think he has a bright future in this league and could be an awesome goalie in this league, but I'm not quite ready to throw him in just yet to start 50, 60 games. I think Tuka should be back, but... I, I don't know. I, I think with his contract coming up, he might just ask for way too much money. And with, you know, the Bruins potentially might wanting to bring back David Krejci, I don't think he can bring back both of them. And I think Tuke is going to be the odd man out. God, I hate saying that, but I think it's going to happen. Well, that's certainly, hopefully a long way off uh, that, that decision. Uh, so, you know, hopefully. God, I hope, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully we get to enjoy a nice, uh, Stanley Cup playoff run with Tuka Rask before that decision has to be made. But uh, yeah, it's definitely looming. That's for sure. Especially with how Jeremy Swayman has played uh, since making his NHL debut. Uh, Lauren, how about yourself? Do you have an empty netter for us? Any closing thoughts as we wrap up today's episode? Yeah, I'm just really hopeful that the Bruins will leave Tom Wilson alone. Like do not engage him. Do not go after him unless he legitimately hurts somebody and you're retaliating fine by all means but don't after every whistle you know if he's antagonizing somebody just just leave him alone because that's what's going to eventually lead to somebody getting hurt that's going to lead to martian getting off the ice for two to five minutes and that's just not anything the bruins can afford in a series against a very strong caps team um i know that he's a dangerous player i know that he has hurt carlo and he's hurt 
uh, Panarin, Buchnevich, he's had, I mean, you can go down the list of people Tomlinson has hurt, but there is just absolutely no reason to engage him unless it is for retaliation purposes. Like, just go win the games and just send him home crying because that's all the satisfaction I'll need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's very important to just not engage. Don't take the bait when someone is, is trying to draw you out. It's very difficult to do when you're on the ice and, and you know, tempers are, are, are boiling over. But you just if you're the Bruins, you need to try and avoid getting into it with Tom Wilson because he's going to try and instigate. He's going to try and, and get you to, to take a penalty. Uh, and, you know, it, you just, like Lauren said, you have to just goose fraba. You have to just calm yourself down. Um, as for myself, again, I'll just reiterate, uh, thank you all so much uh, for your support. Thank you to Carolyn Pilch for joining us. Uh, just so happy that we were able to get her on this episode. Uh, and, you know, thank you all for listening to our playoff preview. And uh, we're just so grateful to have all of you as listeners, uh, you know, just very appreciative of your support as always. So before we wrap things up, I wanted to go around to each of my line mates and let, have them let you know where they can be found online. So Jake, we'll start with you, my friend. Uh, where else can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JakeyPooBear1. <laughs> JakeyPooBear1, it's the go-to now. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually my email now too. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just become the gimmick. It's, it's the gimmick now and I'm going with it and I'm sticking with it. Actually, because <laughs> uh, I had a job interview yesterday down in Kingston, Mass., and uh, <laughs> the, the interviewer looked at me, he's like, jakeypooberr1 at gmail.com. And I'm like, yep. He's like, all right. <laughs> he, he just looked a little disappointed, but, you know, not a professional email, but, uh, you know, gets the job done. <laughs> okay. I just as a little bit of friendly advice, I would recommend getting at least a second one. It's just like a, yeah. a, a, a pro, a just first name dot last name uh, for for job no, I, 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 have, I have three different emails but uh no he, he didn't hold that against me he pushed me through to the next stage so <laughs> love to hear that love it love it uh so definitely give jakey Pooh bear a follow uh lauren Actually, I, I just realized i just doxed myself Whoops. yeah it's all right <laughs> oh, well. it's all right you, you're all you're all good uh <laughs> Lauren, our wonderful, hardworking line mate, uh, who is doing a million things at a million different times. Where can all of our listeners find you? You can find me across the board, social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, at la 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 Lauren, three laws and then Lauren with four R's. You can find all of my written coverage for the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Boston Pride, um, and with Roxy, <laughs> Roxy too, um, on Nesson.com. And you can also hear me on the Ness and Bruins podcast. You can hear me on the Stealing Second podcast. And I think that's it. Yeah, and just so grateful once again uh, for, for Lauren. Uh, a, just uh, continuing to be one of our line mates every, every week, but also, uh, you know, securing this interview with Carolyn Pilch for us. Uh, just so grateful uh, for everything that Lauren does for us. And definitely check out all of her coverage for Ness. And uh, again, she's so gracious with her time. And we, we love that about her. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13, that is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. I can also be heard on Views from the Rafters, FTF Media's basketball podcast, as well as on NerdPod, talking all things entertainment, and on Fierce and Flawed with Haley, who is not with us for the remainder of the show, but definitely follow at CSI Haley and definitely find her on Twitter as well. So that is going to do it for uh, today's episode. 
uh, action-packed episode. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in. We are so grateful for your support. And until the next time, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoff action on the ice. Bye-bye.